This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm Connor Dunn and I'm your host this week. Joining me is the one, the only, Kiva O'Neill. How are you, Kiva? Very good. And did you know it's International Podcast Day today? Wow, happy International Podcast Day, everybody. There you go. Also joining me on International Podcast Day is Ian Doyle. How are you, Ian? I'm okay. Um, You kept that one quiet, didn't you? I was using it for me, little intro. When I usually just say, like, yeah, you're all right. But I thought, boom, just going to International Podcast Day. Good. Don't know how we celebrate, just maybe by doing a podcast. Which is what we're doing anyway. Oh, yeah. In other news, (laughs) Liverpool beat Sheffield United 1-0 on Saturday. And it was a really strong win for the Reds, actually. It felt like a pretty crucial victory, even though you may not have seen it before. Ian Doyle, you were there Mm. at Bramwell Lane. What did you make of it? Uh, the game was pretty much as I expected when we did the podcast. I know some of the other lads, you know, Ghosty was saying, yeah, I fancy a routine 3-0 away win. And I was like, nah, it's not happening. It was always going to be a bit of a slog. I mean, the weather didn't help, did it? It was absolutely belting it down. A little bit windy, but, you know, Liverpool have got used to that. And there's going to be a lot more of that now, obviously, now, they're, now we're in autumn. But in terms of the game itself, Sheffield United, they have obviously got a plan, which they've been using at home this season, which, if you look at the results, hasn't quite worked, but it does work away from home. Where you know, sit tight, keep everybody back, and then look to hit on the break. They've got one or two good forwards. McBurney, I thought, was quite decent. They've got you know, Fleck in midfield, quite good as well. Defensively, they're reasonably strong, and Liverpool didn't really... You know, it, it, Liverpool did create chances. You know, the two from Mane yeah. before the goal in particular. I mean, the one from Salah afterwards, obviously Liverpool were ahead by then and, and the game was going to open up a little bit. But they just didn't seem to function properly going forward and that's what happens. And when that does happen, then you need your defence to be fairly strong and, you know, you look at, you know, I did the ratings and the, the best four players that I had, certainly from the starters, was Van Dijk, Matip, Fabinho and Adrian, who were the you know, four central pillars in, in, in keeping Sheffield United out. Sheffield United didn't really have many chances. Uh, and then, when you keep yourself in a game, you were always going to have a chance, especially when you have a bit of fortune like Liverpool had with the shot from, from Wijnaldum. It was a decent hit, but, you know, nine times, out, sorry, probably like 95 times out of 100, the keeper's saving that one. And even then, it still had to, you had to make Only a right. 95. <clears throat> well, I was going to say, you could, as in take it, the other four, he'd spill it in front of him, then hold on to it. And then you've got the one which has gone straight through him, you know, for any of our older listeners, Massimo. Massimo Taibbi, I should say, from Manchester United, did something similar against Southampton about 20 years ago, and he never really recovered from that. Uh, I don't think this would be a problem for, for Henderson. He's still a young goalkeeper for Sheffield United. but Seems pretty confident as he well. Does, he does, yeah. <laughs> which is, He's on loan from Manchester United. Yeah, he, yeah. Interesting, wasn't it, what Chris Wilder said after the game, the Sheffield United manager about him. He got asked, you've got to put your arm around him. He was like, no, not going to. He's a, you know, he's a Premier League goalkeeper. Yeah. Millions of people were watching it. So you have to get used to it. That's what happens. So... Some people thought it was a bit harsh. I thought it was like, fair enough, you know, you know. Uh, but that wasn't really Liverpool's concern, to be honest. It was a mistake, got them the goal. And I think Jurgen Klopp was right afterwards where he said, if it finished nil-nil, nobody could have complained. But if one team was going to win it, it was Liverpool. And they did. Kiva, I know obviously Liverpool got, you know, a little bit of fortune. When I was particularly getting that goal, mistake from the goalkeeper. Fortunately, I know to play pretty well overall. Do you think, the fact that Liverpool did manage to win this game, it just proves once again that Liverpool have found another way to win. Well, we thought that after the Chelsea game, didn't we, that that was another way to win because, you know, obviously... Or another, we, another way. Another, another... So this is another, another, another way. And it's just like, you're watching them thinking that felt like just sort of 
not like it just felt like one of them games where it was just going to be a goalless draw or they were going to like even after we scored it still felt like it could have got away from us um so it, it is bizarre how we just keep finding Liverpool just keep finding different ways to win and that's because obviously every game's going to be different but it just feels like they're not letting up and not on the, I mean, Sheffield obviously just got promoted and you're not really expecting that. I blame myself a little bit. I said they were going to go straight down and maybe they're not now. I might have to rethink that. But they put in just a tremendous effort, didn't they? And it was quite courageous the way they played and really good moving foot. They looked like the best team we've played in ages, didn't they? Which is like, you know, Sheffield United. So fair play to them. Um, but just you, you sort of like adding up the games now and looking back and thinking... You know, the two on at Stamford Bridge, that felt like, you know, all the national media was saying it wasn't they like Liverpool have sort of laid down a title title marker with this one and then we do this. So it just feels like every game was sort of doing it and especially because the pressure was slightly on us to go eight points clear until obviously City uh, beat Everton that night. So, you know, it was that sort of stays in the back of the players' minds probably thinking we need to go eight points clear just to put that because if... Everton would have done a job for us. You know, we would have been sitting here now looking at maybe eight or seven points, which would have been incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Liverpool finding ways to win it is a great thing, but on another day, Mane scores, Salah scores, it's a 3-0 and it's a totally different game. But because they didn't, somebody else obviously pops up with the goal and the fact that Liverpool kept a clean sheet was also meant they could actually go and win the game. You talked to your new player agents there a little bit that, you know, the defensive pillars were the best in the team. Mm. What are you making of Liverpool's defence at the moment? Because I know there's been a little bit of chat around the fact that, you know, Adrian's only kept two clean sheets since he's come in. That's against Burnley and that's against Sheffield United, which aren't, you know, two teams that you expect to score against Liverpool anyway. Are you concerned or...? Well, they've got the best defence. Well, no team in the Premier League has conceded fewer goals than Liverpool this season. Leicester have got five, and of course, that's who Liverpool play. Save that one. Yeah, yeah, so save that one, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really have concerns with... I certainly have concerns with the keeper and don't have concerns with the central defence and do not have concerns with the central midfield defensively. I thought the two full-backs struggled a little bit at the weekend, and that's not the first time. I know Robertson made a couple of good blocks, but... He didn't seem to be quite his normal self. Uh, Trent was a bit up and down, but he's been like that for a part of the season. Uh, but it's when they, they basically they've got such they've set such a high standard certainly at the fullbacks is that when they dip below the levels it becomes patently obvious. Mm. But even then, it's still good enough to help Liverpool get through these games. So that's the kind of you know that's how much quality Liverpool have got out wide and, and in these areas because I mean look, Joe Gomez played I thought played really well against MK Dons but there was never any suggestion that he was ever going to come back in because Matip's playing that well and you know we've done something today a piece that I put together um, basically on the back of I think it was the BBC basically on Earth a stat that said that nobody's won more percentage of aerial duels in the Premier League this season than Matip which is remarkable when you consider it's Van Dijk is the one yeah. that you think just if anybody watched the game on Saturday we're just continually heading it away and then there's other things. Like I think he's made an average more tackles a game than Van Dijk, more interceptions. So he is, he's got an argument for being Liverpool's best defender. And he's obviously he's got that kind of ability to then just, when he gets a bit bored, just bring the ball out of defence. And he's, he's good at using the ball. I mean, should be a klaxon, I think, when that happens. Just like, massive running out with the ball. I love it and hate it all at the same time. I love the fact he can do it, but I hate the fact my centre-back is 70 yards up the pitch. Yeah, I know, I know. There is the, he never seems to lose the ball, which is the best thing. That's the confidence that 
the team have gone in him and he's got on himself, which I think he didn't have maybe about 18 months ago. I think also it's, not, it's another example of how Van Dijk's made, we've said this many times, made players better around him. And yeah. I think Matip's been the main beneficiary of that. Uh, there's one funny thing that happened during the game I got onto it is very early on, Matip played a ball into midfield and it just was no Liverpool player in sight. But I genuinely think he was passing to the ref. He thought that for some reason he just saw, saw a shirt that wasn't red and white. He went, right, there's the play. Because it went straight to the referee. And he just like let it go past him. And then Sheffield United picked it up. But that was a, a rare blemish and what was a good day for him. Yeah, fair enough. Keeper, what's, what's your kind of thoughts over the defence at the moment? Do you think it, it really is a case just for Robertson and, and Trent that, you know, Trent's obviously really young, but they've set just that such ridiculous standard that when they aren't quite, you know, banging in assists, making tackles, running forward, running back, everyone's like, oh, hang on. I still think they both have brilliant seasons so far. I just think... Brilliant? Would you say brilliant seasons? Yeah, I think you look at them in individual games and the, what was the game, Robertson at Anfield, and he just ran the show. And, you know, what game was that? The Newcastle. Was, I want to say Newcastle. I think it yeah. was. And it was just like, I think they sort of like, one of them can play better than the other because you seem to like couple them in this little group, the, the fullbacks together, and you think about the performances in a sort of equal way. And... I just think maybe they do seem a little bit laggy. There's no one really there to come in, is there? There's no, you wouldn't say there's no like second choice right back and second choice left back that you like are going to be playing games. Mm. So it does feel like a lot's down to them and they are having to play, you know, every minute. But so is like Van Dijk, Matip, Adrian, obviously. So I don't think, you know, it's that an issue with like playing time or anything. I don't know, it just maybe is that they're that good and they've been that good that now we judge them in a way that we judge strikers for scoring goals. We judge them for not assisting in so many games, which is a great problem to sort of have, you know, looking like Alexander Arnold has had an assist in however many games or, you know, Robertson. That's a nice thing to be able to do that because not everyone has a left back and a right back who are so potent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously Liverpool last year in the Premier League almost kept as many clean sheets as they conceded goals, 21 to 22, which is absolutely remarkable. And you look back at that season and that is such a stupidly dizzy height to try and hit again. But it's an interesting time. It's been an interesting time for the defensive unit over the course of this season, obviously, with Alisson coming out. Matip and Gomez kind of fighting for that position and Matip locking it down. It's been a bit of uncertainty, hasn't there? There has to a point, yeah. I think the goalkeeper is the main one that we can't underestimate what a difference that has made but again Adrian we again we've spoken about this recently that he's just done so well since he's come in I know uh, Paul Gorse has written a story today basically saying there was some well Klopp had said hadn't he that there's every chance that Alisson could have been back in training yeah. on Sunday turns out that he hasn't and the the holding him back there's no point rushing him until he's absolutely ready he's and, not coming and, in against Salzburg and he's definitely not coming against Leicester either Salzburg Salzburg. We played Augsburg a few years ago. Yeah. Anyway. I said Salzburg. I thought you said Augsburg. Salzburg. I, I really need to clean my ears, don't I? Anyway. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, That's another podcast. Yes. We can leave that on because I was going to say somebody that we're not concerned over in the defensive unit is Fabinho because he has been absolutely excellent. And once again, in a game where it was quite scruffy, it's quite hard fought against Sheffield United, he was very, very good. Name us a better yeah. defensive midfielder right now. I don't know. Well, Declan well, Rice today is called him the best defensive midfielder in the world. So You could have said Kante, but he's become more of a different kind of player now, yeah, hasn't he? He's, yeah. be, he's had to do everything now for Chelsea, yeah. so he's just, you know. I think you'd have to say Fabinho is, is up there in terms of... It's difficult to know in the Premier League anyone that's better. There, there may be, you know, you, you could say Busquets, but then he's not quite as good as he used to be. Barcelona aren't the team that they were. Uh, whether or not there's some in, some in Italy, they, they do like a good defensive midfielder there, I'm not sure. But in terms of the ones that we see week in, week out, Fabinho is... 
is the one that everyone looks to and he, he's obviously making an impression with the other teams. You say Declan Rice coming out and saying that. I think it's just, it's because he's just, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because we know we've done this to death that he took forever to get to, yeah, to grips with it. early misstep. But indeed. it is true, Ian, he it did. It is true, he did. Yes, he did, right. However, since he's come in and he's got to grips with that, he's admitted it was to do with his fitness. He's just like moved on to another level. I remember, I can't remember which journalist it was, but basically said that when Liverpool signed Fabinho, a foreign journalist, who was just basically just raving over him and saying that he's miles better than Jordan Henderson in terms of his positioning defensively. And that's not a slight on Henderson, who did the job reasonably well enough for a couple of years, but it's right because he just seems to always know where the danger is. And that's where, you know, Mascarena was a little bit like that. And I know we've done a, we've spoken about this recently as well, that I think Fabinho's a better player than he is because he can use the ball better. And, he, and he's of a different size and he can use those long legs, as, as Virgil van Dijk says, his Inspector Gadget legs to get to the ball. And he did that so many times that it must be really annoying if you're an opposing midfielder or a forward just to drop so deep. so many times. Yeah, and it's just like, just basically go away. Just yeah. leave me alone. I just want to get on with the game. So when... And a lot of it, a lot, it's a lot of responsibility on him because of the fact that Liverpool, the way that the midfield is at the moment, certainly over the last couple of months from last season, remember when Henderson was kind of released, as it were, from yeah. playing also in a defensive midfield role and was pushed on a little bit. And I think he's kind of kept that role to the most part, for the most part. So it's a lot of, lot of responsibility on Fabinho's shoulders, and he's one of those that if he gets injured, you know, what what. There are obviously options there, but they wouldn't be as good as he, as he is. Yeah, I think Liverpool have kind of, that might be where Liverpool progressed as a team a little bit this year, where they would have two number sixes always all last season. I think Fabinho's a bit more trusted to play that on his own now. And do you think that kind of just shows just how good he is and how good he's still going to be? Yeah, definitely. And obviously we've spoke about Wijnaldum scoring more goals. I know it was a bit of a, a scruffy one, wasn't it? But he has, because he's... He knows now there's this player behind him and in the midfield alongside him who can cover for him and let him do that. So I think, you know, this will be great not only for, we've saw Henderson as, as look good going forward, but Wijnaldum as well and anyone who plays in that midfield setup. I think Fabinho is just awesome at the minute, isn't he? And, you know, it did take him that time to adjust, but it was so worth the wait. And now you just don't feel like... The midfield last season, it was like all we spoke about, you know, it felt like this conundrum who's going to play and it was just like a revolving door, wasn't it? Now he's like literally... He's locked that down. He's locked it and there's, it's just the players either side of him now who start. Obviously, Henderson's your captain, so you lean towards him and he has been playing well. And then when Alden, Milner, whoever is in there, but he is that, that one player that <laughs> Liverpool needed for so long. Yeah. And now they've got him and I just think... That could, I think, prove the difference in the Premier League over the course of the season. If you look at like Fernandinho, what he's done for City for all them years, obviously now he's playing a centre-half with the injuries they've had. And I just feel like he seems to be like a carbon copy of what he was, what Fernandinho was. And Liverpool are going to reap the rewards massively, I think, in just him being a massive spider and just like just choosing which leg to, to hook the ball away with. Yeah, Fabinho the massive spider. That's your headline. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I know obviously Liverpool's midfield unit aren't there to score goals and create, they're there to work hard for the benefit of the team. But when Alden popping up with the goal, whenever they can pop up with goals or an assist or a bit of creation, it's, it's, <laughs> it's well welcomed and needed. But do you think the fact that Fabinho now pretty much can play that six on his own is going to unlock when Alden a little bit more? He scores a lot of goals and assists for Holland. 
yes and no. They can't unlock both Henderson and Van Elf. They're not <laughs> going to both go off. And then, then you're forgetting that you've also got... Like they're in Kate. some kind of cage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, out, like... when, when Cater comes in, that's his game. When uh, Oxley Chamberlain comes in, yeah. that's his game. If Shakiri ever plays in that position, that would be his game. What was interesting on... Uh, what day was it? Saturday? Yeah, it seems like forever ago. Saturday morning is when Liverpool switched to 4-2-3-1 mm-hmm. when Origi came on. Yeah. And I thought Origi made a big difference. And that was another way of... They took off Henderson. And Klopp admitted afterwards, he said, look, I could have taken off Hendo and I could have taken off Genie. It was yeah. just... I just decided to take one of them off just simply because I think Henderson had got a slight injury hadn't he, after half-time, so that might have played into his and, thinking. And inspired yeah. leaving on me yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he admitted that I nearly subbed him, basically. But they went to a two, didn't they? With Juan Aldam yeah. and... Um, one album Fabinho. So there was a long time where Klopp wouldn't really trust Fabinho in yeah. the th- in the two as you mentioned before. Now he can do that. It just gives them a little bit more tactical uh, flexibility because when they went to four two three one against Sheffield United, they, they did prove more dangerous going forward. Fabinho was playing in behind Salah. Uh, Origi, as I said, came on. I thought he did really well and possibly put himself into contention. Certainly for. For the game on Wednesday, and well, maybe even Leicester. We shall uh, come on to that. We will very soon. Um, so it's just you know Liverpool have got that many options in midfield. It's funny, isn't it? Because you we again that's the one criticism, wasn't it, last season? As as, as Keeper mentioned, that people have question marks over it. But they now had about seven or eight players that could play there. Yeah, it's like well, it. and if Fabinho is almost always going to be one of them, then you got about six or seven of them going for two places. So and they're all different kinds of players. They're not all the same as each other. You wouldn't say Oxley Chamberlain is the same as Henderson. You wouldn't say. Lana's the same player as as Cater, would you? So he's got enough there, Jurgen Klopp. It's he's always been horses for course with midfield. The interesting thing for me has been this season. I think there has been that first choice midfield of Henderson, Fabinho, and Juan Aldum, mm. and he's quite keen to just keep that going probably for as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it seems like the midfield debate is going to rumble on and on It'll and never on. End. It and will never end. We shall leave it just there for now. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. A little bit of breaking news today came out of Liverpool. The fact they're going to sign a coach from Porto. Um, his name is Victor Vita Manos. Um, do, you, do you know anything about him, Connor? I might know a thing or two about him, Ian. Could you please a, tell us? A couple of pieces today. Um <laughs> No, basically, he is the Porto B team assistant manager, although interestingly listed on their official website as the first team fitness coach, but he is the Porto B manager, assistant manager, sorry. Um, he's coming in to fill a role that Pep Linders used to do for Liverpool. Now, Linders used to be the bridge, you'd say, between the academy and Melwood, between the, the academy squads and the first team to kind of help develop Liverpool's best and brightest talents and bring them into the first team squad and kind of get them ready. And now... Obviously, with Buvac leaving, um, Linda's being promoted to assistant manager. Um, they're bringing in somebody else. And yeah, it looks like a strong acquisition. He's, he's been a scout for Porto before, so he's obviously got a bit about him. And yeah, it looks interesting. But it's, I uh, guess, you know, Liverpool's idea that they want to bring through the youth and stay in the position they're in for such a long time because they have such a strong unit, which is so hard to improve on in, in the first team right now with even the world's football players. They've you know invested a bit in youth this summer with Vandenberg, with Elliot. They've got some solid players like Jones and Bruce that are coming through and they're just looking at somebody to bring in specifically for that role to help develop these players and really get them ready for first team action. So yeah, it should be a good one. It should be, yes. Yeah, and that is what I know about Vita Menos. I always find it quite interesting when they hire like a coach. It's quite exciting, isn't it? Like, because it's like a sign and 
but like not one you're going to see sort of, you know, daily or playing. Um, but obviously we played Porto, didn't we, the last couple of seasons? So you don't know whether... And obviously Pep was there. He worked with he? Linders yeah. before, yeah. He'll have recommended I was, I was yeah. finding it quite interesting. He maybe would have been at Anfield and them having little convos or you don't know what goes on. But yeah. I think it is interesting little... in the sense that obviously the the coaching staff are the ones that the manager trusts more. Than, he'll trust them more than the players because he has to because they're the ones that are making the decisions yeah. about who's going to be playing and what players are coming through. So that's why there was all the debate or the wonder over, you know, Bubac when he went. And, you know, I think... Yourself of uh, or in the process of writing something, aren't yeah, you? certainly. Yes. Just how you know Jurgen Klopp dealt with what could have been a really serious crisis. This assistant manager's just up and leaving, but he's dealt with it remarkably, to be honest. And Linders has come in as a, as a wonderful assistant manager, and Liverpool are even better than they ever were, which is just incredible. Well, Klopp, Klopp does like Linders a lot. I mean, he does, he, yeah, uh, we, we did the podcast last week talking out of the MK Dons game, and, and Pep had done the yeah. The press conference and spoke really, really yeah, well. Really and he did give you a little bit, a little bit of an insight as to. I mean, the thing is, he he does pieces on the, the Liverpool website quite often. I don't know when our former colleague James Pierce went down, and I'm sure Paul Gorse will go and speak to him soon. He's always comes up with something interesting, a little bit. It sheds a little bit of light because you know, I'm not saying Klopp is incredibly guarded because he isn't, but he's not exactly going to go off and say X, Y, and Z about. Klopp's in front tactics. of the media a lot more, isn't he? So yeah, exactly. Knows yeah. a bit more cagey about what to yeah. say and things. Whereas yeah. I, th- I don't even think it's that from it. I think he's just so enthusiastic about it, and he just wants to say, right, we're doing this, right, we're doing that. Oh yeah, we're doing this. A man after my own heart. Yeah, exactly. Ian. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you can see why why Klopp has said to him, "Oh, he reminds me a bit of my younger self," which he said, I think, towards the end of last season. It was so. It is a good team that they've got there. Uh, and if the new guy coming in, I've forgotten his name already, what is it? Vita Manos. <laughs> Thank you. Ma- I think uh, Matos. Matos, yeah. Matos, yeah. Vita. If Matos. he has the backing of Linders, uh, I think it, by definition would therefore have the backing of Klopp because he trusts him that much. Absolutely. And should be a good Very appointment. And we'll wait and see how the youth develops underneath him and should be good. Um, moving on, because Liverpool have... Another game coming thick and fast. It's RB, not Augsburg. I'm still sure you said said that, you know. Wednesday night at Anfield under the lights. The European champions are going to be welcomed home by a no doubt roaring cop. And I'm very excited. This is unlike you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What are you expecting from the game? Well, a home game. It's a miracle. You know, just <laughs> a Christmas have, miracle. I know Liverpool have hardly played a game at Anfield this season. Have they? What is it? Norwich, Newcastle and Arsenal. Yeah. And that's it. And you look at the away ones that they've had. They played the Super Cup, the Community Shield. Who was it? Burnley, Southampton. Napoli. Uh, Napoli, Arsenal, yeah. MK Dons. Not Arsenal, uh, Chelsea and Sheffield United. So it'll be, a, it'll be slightly unusual for them. I think yeah, I think one or two of the players did say like, oh yeah, you know, we're actually going to be playing at home. And they've got a cup, you know, another home game on Saturday as well. So yeah, I mean, I think the fans, they're going to be like you. They're going to be excited. Uh Partly because obviously it's a bit different with the league games. There'll be a lot of non-regulars turning up, and this will be their first chance really to, you know, talk, you know, give them thanks for what happened in, in Madrid. But I think that's long gone now, isn't it? It's now going to be more. I think the fans. There was that kind of wavering at the start of the season, wasn't it, when Klopp was thinking, "Can we just stop talking about the yeah, Champions League?" Now we are going to be talking about the Champions League, but we're talking about this what, season. What can they do this yeah, time? this season. And given the fact they lost in in Naples the other week, it's a big game for Liverpool. They can't afford to. They can't. I don't think they can't afford to not win. I think if they win the the games against the you know the, the supposed lesser teams, even if they get one one away draw, then looking at ten points, that's normally should be enough. But yeah, to to make life easy for themselves, they should they they need to get this one done. Absolutely. Now, Kiva, um, 
they put out a little bit of a statement against Genk in the first game. Um, and a young striker, Erling Haaland, scored a hat-trick and he's actually scored as 17 goals in 12 appearances already this year. But there's a little bit of news about him on the live vlog, wasn't there? Yeah, um, he's had a little bit of an illness, not sure what it was. but the same um, one you've got. Probably, it's, it's going round, isn't it? <laughs> um, so he missed their game at the weekend, I think they, they won. Um, but he missed that and the uh, I think it was the sporting director was speaking, just saying, you know, we're not sure when he'll be back. But obviously... They don't know, but it feels like he will make it to to Anfield. But whether he'll start or you know play it depends on how bad the uh, the illness was and whether he's recovered enough. But you know he's a young lad. There was quotes from him on Salzburg's website, like really excited to play at Anfield and like you know respecting that Liverpool are the champions of Europe. But like what a massive opportunity it, it is. Um, so I'm I'm sure he'd like to feature, and obviously his dad scored at Anfield ma- yeah. many moons ago, probably Elf back in, in your day. Kind of been there, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know he does look quite the prospect, doesn't he? It was a first half hat trick, and yeah. he scored like a hundred goals now since then. Like he's <laughs> just unbelievable. I think he's been linked with Man United and other clubs are interested in him now. I'm not too sure about anything else I'll have to look into Salzburg this week who else plays for them or whatever I should have Theo he was the Salzburg correspondent wasn't he yeah. he knew all about them there we go so we'll we'll get a little hope if Theo can he's in Russia at the minute whether he can do a little uh, send us a few words on why, why is he in Russia for the Grand Prix indeed yes I mean while we may not know everything about Salzburg and to be fair we haven't watched them week in week out what we do know about is Liverpool. Mm. What are you expecting from Liverpool? Are you expecting them to start really fast or do you think they're going to be so aware that, as you say, they can't really lose this game? So they're going to start a bit more cagey, a bit slower. How, how, do, you, how do you see it going? Oh, they'll be going for it for the off, won't they? There's going to be no messing about. They'll go, right, well, the crowd will be behind them. They'll go, right, let's see what Salzburg have got and they'll give it a bit of a go, see what happens. A bit like the, the Red Star game last year, it's probably the, the, the most recent comparison. I would imagine Salzburg are a bit better than Spartak Moscow and Maribor from the previous year. We're not very good, mm. if we're being honest. Uh, it already looks like Genk might be the the weakest team. So, or the classic cliche whipping boys yes, of the group. Yes, yes, yes. Which, to be fair, Liverpool haven't re- last season. Red Star weren't were they? They were tough. <laughs> no, they, they were, were tough. They? So yeah. the stadium was pretty intense, wasn't it? The, you would think that this is one where, as I say, Liverpool anything other than a and a home win, and you. Th- wouldn't get worried, but they just make be making life really difficult for themselves. And given the way they've started so well in the Premier League, they don't want to have this, you know, anything that knocks the confidence they could just do without, which is why I think they'll just be looking to try and get the game not one done and dusted inside the first half hour, but certainly put themselves in a position where they can control what's going on. Because if you go into the second half nil nil or, you know, not I feel like you need to have two goals to the good just to have that then be in that European sort of pomp of like Liverpool mm. just playing like they have done at Anfield in the Champions League for the past couple of seasons. I feel like if you go in the second half and we're nil-nil, you're not worried. It's not the end of the world. Liverpool's still probably yeah. going to win the game. They're undefeated at Anfield since forever. Um, but I would like to think a half-time, Ian's got something to, to write about in terms of good things and half-time play ratings could be could be interesting. It's, a lot of this will be down to how Salzburg want to approach the game. It's whether they think that they've got an opportunity of getting through to the next round or they're just thinking, right, we just need to finish above Gank and get in the Europa League. 
Yeah, yeah, that, m- that might be the attitude. Because obviously, <laughs> Liverpool are the defending champions. Napier, as we've seen twice in two years, are a very, very solid side. Very difficult to go away and play against. Salzburg um, will be looking to win their, their other two home games. They'll be looking to beat Napoli at home and they'll think we want to try and get something out of Liverpool at home. And that gives them seven points. And then it, they might have an opportunity and go, right, we should win it, wait, Genk. And then, but that's exactly what Liverpool will be thinking as well. And that's what Napoli will be thinking as well. They're all thinking yeah. the same thing. Yeah, of course. It's going to be a pretty interesting time for the group. But you'd, you'd imagine Liverpool have every chance of being Salzburg and going on to progress from this without any, any real trouble. We're talking player ratings. That means we're going to be talking players. Let's talk team. Hmm. Adrian in goal. I think Adrian may well be in goal, yes. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, I got there's a suggestion that he could continue in between the sticks for Liverpool. The custodian, the cat. Okay. The shot stopper, not the stopper, by the way. The stopper is a centre-back. I just want to clear that up. The Spaniard, yes. The, the man that wears the gloves. The 32-year-old? He is, is 32. Yeah. The glovesman. <laughs> anyway. Former West Ham United. No, let's stop. Defence. I think it's pretty much set for me. What are you thinking? I don't know. I think maybe this is Gomez's night. Maybe. I think Gomez is going to play as well. Just okay. Massive's been awesome, but I don't know. I feel like just play him. Where are you thinking of playing him? No, I'm thinking of playing right? Gomez at centre back alongside oh, yeah. Van Dyke. Just give Matip a rest. Okay, so majority rules. That's two against one there. So we're choosing Robertson and Trent, left and right back. I don't yeah, really I want mean, to. You because can't leave them out though because you. Oh, I don't you know whether Milner, left, on the right Milner at left back is the only one that I could think might be a change. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but I said that the other week and it didn't happen. So yeah, I thought it was literally yeah. that was nailed on against. Was it Napoli? Yeah, the, Robertson had had that little been injured. Hadn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. And I thought mm. whether or not he's still struggling with that, with that, I don't know. But yeah, I'd have. I'd have Milner, but I'm going to get a vote it, voted on. No, I think yeah, I'd yeah, have Robertson yeah, for yeah, definitely. Yeah, we need we need this is just speed and tenacity Milner's got that obviously in abundance but I think Robertson's just the best left back in the world absolutely we've spoken about Fabinho so he keeps his place in six I think that's yeah. got to all be in agreement mm. forever like done just, yeah even League Cup games everything now just play him all the time <laughs> next to him joining him I assume we're having a midfield three yes who joins Fabinho I think it's going to be, or I would, certainly Oxlade-Chamberlain's one of them. Is Cater ready? Is his former team? He'd be well up for it. Oh, yeah, that would. is be a well really interesting point. Um, you, but I don't think you could play Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain. So, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, I, th- I think I'll go with Henderson and Cater. Henderson and Cater, there you go. See, I always want Ox, I think, because now he's back and you just want to see him getting that game time. Towards the end of the MK Dons game, I think he had that shot and he just looked like he was sort of getting into the rhythm of it. Yeah, Yeah. and I feel like if he starts, you know, you can always bring him off or bring him on, but just as long as he he starts to feature, I think, is important for him going forward. Cater is it a little bit too soon, but then obviously that is his former club, as you say. So it's like yeah, I think actually I've changed my life. Oxlade Chamberlain playing. I'm going to make a case for Cater before you make your final decision. I've I've, I've made my decision is final. In Europe, I think he's proved already that he's played better than in the Premier League. He kind of seems to suit that European style a little bit more. I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to come and launch his season because obviously he's had such a fit and start at the moment. So I, I certainly agree that Henderson plays and I think that probably was why he came off against Sheffield United first. 
So I think Fabinho and Henderson, but I'm, I'm going to make a case for Cater. I mean, I do agree with you a bit there because remember when at the Porto game and he scored and he just mm. looked great and that sort of kicked him on and then he got the injury. So that is a thing, but I don't know whether it just want someone safe like Milner for a Milner. And I think he's been playing great when he's been on in, in recent games. And it could just be where Klopp's just like, Milner's sort of the trustworthy sort of lieutenant at times, isn't he? He'll just throw him in. So who are you picking? So everyone. Milner. You can't have them all um, playing. Don't I've got Milner. I wanted Milner at left back. Yeah. And I've got I've got loads of changes. You've been outvoted for left back. Outvoted. Yeah. Yeah. Chamberlain yeah. definitely, and then. You can't have Oxford and Cater. I think I'll have Henderson just because okay. he's the captain. Okay. I think there's an interesting question in the front three, yes. and I think that question is Divock Origi. He's playing. You reckon? Yeah, I'd, I'd rest Mane. Yeah, I actually would agree. I think he's come on a number of times. Liverpool, he's proved it time and time and time and time again. Once against Sheffield United, he can change the game. He's very direct. He's a more than capable pair of hands to go and play in that position. And, and I think he plays. Did you see his little bit of skill against Sheffield? He done that. Is it called the flip flap? I'm going to say. Flip flap. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Down with the kids. Look with at the, me. the one foot. You don't know what flip that is. Flap. Yeah, just one, just one way that, then the other. Is I just it that way that, and then that I way, but like in one move. Do it in Ian. It's just basically, it you, you've seen me, I've had a sad no, You that, can't. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did he go off injured? Like, oh, no. Did he just stand in the same place and point everybody to run around? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Garigi, good opportunity for him and everyone loves him, don't they? The Champions League. How can you not? Is his, is his competition. I mean, what, he did win it for us. new haircuts though? I, I like really it. like it's it. Very I love vibes. that person who edited it and just put a corner. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed <laughs> that. That was brilliant. Shave the corner in wrong. And the other two, Salah and Firmino. Yes. Excellent. Score predictions and then we'll wrap it up. I believe there will be goals going into the Salzburg goal. And there'll be, three, there'll be three of them. 3-0. Three, 3-0. Three, nil. three, three nil. to Liverpool. Three nil. I've got a feeling we'll concede and just like, do a little bit of a we like to do things the hard way don't we so I think we will score three as well and they will score one so 3-1 okay I will agree with 3-0 because I don't think they're going to score because I think Liverpool are a much better team than doing things the hard way anymore anyway thank you very much for listening this has been the Blood Red podcast join us for a post game analysis on Wednesday and then back for Blood Red on Friday thank you very much for listening you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo